at a theater in Redlands, California, just outside San Bernardino, on April 26, 2018, a minister stood up in the dark as the credits began to roll after a showing of the Marvel movie uh, Avengers Infinity War. You remember that one and all the stuff and all the things, and maybe you don't, but uh, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was uh, kind of the climax of a whole lot of uh, movies and different things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and, and so it, it ended. Now, they, they keep the lights down uh, in, in these uh, Marvel movies because uh, they show the credits, but then they always come back and there's this bonus scene, right? And so everybody stays in their seats and they're, they're uh, watching the screen, waiting for the bonus scene. And it was then that they heard the voice of 28-year-old pastor Michael Weber saying loudly for all to hear, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Not the best evangelism tactic in light of the past theater shootings and attacks that have happened. Weber's comment caused panic and chaos. People began running and pushing and jumping over railings and uh, they were bruised and twisted their ankles and other minor injuries and Weber was charged with inducing panic. He told a CBS reporter that this will not deter his evangelizing but he might reconsider his locations. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like that, I get a little embarrassed. I, I, I take the side of the crowd and wonder why in the world uh, that guy, uh, what, what, what he was thinking, and, uh, uh, and my personal desire to, quote, evangelize probably ticks down a notch because I don't want to be considered to be somebody like that guy. Uh, when, when, we, uh, when we hear the word evangelism, we might start thinking about, uh, I don't know, cringy things like, like that, or, or street preachers, or people going to door bugging the neighbors, or, or leaving church tracks on the table at a restaurant, or, or we might think about memorizing uh, a script or a routine, and then we, we walk through that routine as we, as we talk to people, or, or we might think about evangelists with, with uh, shiny suits and fluffy hair, and uh, they're, they're uh, on the screens or at special crusades or TV shows and there's a phone number at the bottom. Some of that that might might have its place at different times and different places, but it seems a bit cliche and and I don't know whether it's all that effective. Evangelism doesn't seem to have the best of reputations. But does that mean that we shouldn't do it? Or are we just doing it wrong? Uh, one thing that, that keeps us from sharing our faith uh, is, is that we don't know, well, we think that we're just not any good at it. Uh, a lot of people say they're just not gifted in evangelism. And in fact, studies show that about 95% of Christians probably do not have the gift of evangelism. So maybe we're off the hook and we don't need to worry about it, right? Let's just move on. We don't need to tell anybody. Except, except... That, that helping people build a life following Jesus, I don't know if you've paid attention in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it, it's really a primary mission in life, right? And, and God wants to use you exactly how he's made you to bring other people closer to him. Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 19. He prayed for workers to go into the harvest fields of the world, Luke 10, 2. Uh, Jesus said that, that you and I are to be the light of the world, shining his light wherever we go in Matthew chapter 5. He, he said in Acts 1, 8 that, that, that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be his witnesses. Uh, uh, Peter says in, in 1 Peter 3, 
agree that, that, that we all need to be ready to share the reason for the hope that we have. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that we are Jesus' ambassadors, that we represent him to the world. And so the sober truth that, that people without Jesus will spend eternity separated from him should also bring us around with all of these other things. We cannot get away from the call, the responsibility, the mission of the church to reach out to those who are far from God so that they can experience his love and his life. We are on a mission from God himself. We live to love people to life. I can tell you're excited about that. You guys aren't an amening crowd. If you turned into an amening crowd, I wouldn't be sad. It'd, it'd be okay. It'd be okay if you turned into that. Maybe I'm going to pray for you. Is that praying for you or against you to turn you into an amening? Whatever. Anyway, I heard three amens online right now. I'm just kidding. Okay. So we live to love people to life. This is our mission. This is our, this is our purpose. But I don't I still hear the pushback. I probably out of my own head. It's kind of awkward, right? And, and 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 we're not all that good at it sometimes. And and people don't always respond well to it. And and so maybe maybe let's not. Or maybe we need to quit making it weird and get back to just doing it naturally. Our our key verse in this in this series has been 1 Thessalonians 2:8. And I don't know if you've memorized it yet, but but uh, maybe me just repeating it enough is going to uh kind of imprint it on your mind because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because we loved you so much, Paul's talking to the, the people that he met in that, in that church in Thessalonica, and he said, uh, he's reflecting back on their time there, and he says, because we loved you so much, this, we did a couple of things. We, we, we shared the gospel of God with you, but not just that. We weren't just preaching at you. We shared our lives with you. We lived life together, and we shared the gospel with you. It's, it's just natural that if we are living life in close relationship with God, if we're connected to him, if we're remaining in the vine, like we talked about last week from John 15, then, then, then uh, if we're sharing our lives with people around us uh, and, and we're living that close relationship with God, then, then we will naturally be sharing that life with the people that we're closest to. What is most important to us will be obvious in our relationships. I'm going to say that again. If your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life, it's going to be obvious to the people who are in your life. And if it's not obvious, chances are your life with God maybe isn't the most important thing in your life. If you are living your life for for Jesus, you will be living on mission, uh, loving people to life. It, It just happens Naturally. Last week we pulled out these cards and we looked at a few of these questions, five questions to live by. And if you didn't grab one of those, they are, uh, there's uh, still quite a few on the, on the table in the back there. You probably have them from when we've uh, handed them out in the past. And, and um, maybe you're asking yourself those questions. And, and we looked at the first three questions last week, right? And, and they have a lot to do with uh, staying connected in our personal, personal lives, staying connected with Jesus. They're, they're about our personal spiritual lives. They, they, they are things that, that we'll be focused on if we are living a close relationship with God. Uh, the last two questions are more outward focused. Uh, they focus more on the people around us. Who have I served today? Am I close to someone far 
from God. And as I've, as I've said uh, in this series, when, when we're living to love people to life, we've got to start out with the living. We've got to be living this life with God first. We spend time with God. We, we trust him with our lives and we obey where he's leading and, and we allow him to develop his character in us. And we ended last week by seeing that, that love is the primary characteristic of Jesus. So if you are seeing Jesus in the mirror, if his character is being developed in you, then, then, uh, uh, then that means that you're becoming more and more a person characterized by love yourself. If you're, I don't know, if you're irritable or critical or unforgiving or angry all the time or you just don't seem to care about other people, it's not just that you buckle down and try to love more. You need to fix your connection with Jesus. When we stay connected with him, when we personally, and these three questions help point us toward that connection. Uh, when you're connected to him, you'll, you'll be growing in him and he'll be developing his character and his love in you. And that love growing in you will then motivate you to action. And so then you start serving God and those around you. And that's our fourth question. Who have I served today? One of the biggest dangers that, uh, that a Jesus follower can, can fall into, I think, is to get just enough religion, so to speak, to be comfortable. When we, when we come to Jesus, there's a tendency to focus on what Jesus can do for me, right? For, for us. His salvation and his, his peace and, and his blessings and the, and the forgiveness that he, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and that's why we come to him, right? We want a relationship with him and we want the benefits and the blessings that come with that relationship with him. And, and, and so we start following Jesus and, and so we have all those things. But, but if we're not careful, we'll forget that also, not only do we get those things ourselves, but we have also joined a team his team that uh, so now we're working for him fulfilling his mission we're on this planet not just to seek our own comfort or to seek our own spiritual blessing but to reach out with love and compassion to others I think we can get so caught up in what we want and what makes us feel good and even what ministers to our souls that we lose sight of why we're here we're here uh, we live to love people to life. And, and that means that, that, that we will be focused on others and their needs, not just ourselves. I guess we could say, and you've probably heard before, love is active. We serve others, showing compassion to those around us. I, I, I listened to a, a pastor this week, and, and, and he pointed out something I hadn't really thought about before, uh, at least in this way. He said that, that there's almost always an and attached to love and compassion in Jesus' life and ministry. Compassion wasn't an emotion for Jesus, it was an action. So uh, just for instance, just a few examples, Mark chapter 6, uh, uh, there's, there's uh, uh, all the crowds on the hillside and, and uh, they're hungry and, and uh, Jesus saw them and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd and so he had, as scripture says, he had compassion on them. And so what did he do? Well, he taught them all day and then he miraculously fed them. He had compassion on them. That compassion was, was active. Matthew chapter 9, uh, uh, Jesus has, has compassion on, on the people and, and he prayed for them. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus had compassion and so he gave sight to two blind men who had who had come to him. Matthew chapter 1 verse 40, a, a man with leprosy came to him and, and he saw him and he had compassion and he healed him of his leprosy. When Jesus cared about someone he, and he saw their need, he did something about it. It was compassion and so he did something about it. He served them. He, he met their needs. The opposite of love, we might think uh, on, at first thought it's, it's hate, but I, I believe the opposite of love is apathy. 
The opposite of compassion is, is probably indifference. When you, when you see needs in, in people's lives, do you care? That, I guess that's the first part. Do, do we see it enough to care about it? Uh, but then do we see it enough to, to care enough to do something about it? Are, are you serving people when you see the needs in their lives? Or do you figure, well, someone else is bound to take care of that. We, I mean, we get busy with our own stuff, right? And with our own lives and our own routines and, and we don't serve others the way we should. It might not be out of a, a, a you know, it might, might not be an issue of desire. Yeah, I want to serve people. I just, I don't know, I just, I just don't uh, see uh, the, the needs. If I saw the need, then I'd do something. I just don't see it that much. And I, I, I want to push back on that in my own life. Okay, I just get caught in all these routines and so I'm seeing the same things all the time. Maybe I need to break out and, and look to where uh, God might want me to, to have different routines to see different people and be awakened to different needs. Maybe we're not looking in the right places or placing ourselves in the right relationships where those opportunities could arise. Making service a regular part of our daily lives isn't an easy thing. It takes effort, and it's not always appreciated, right? Uh, it, it's, it's not always like this big fun and games kind of thing. A lot of people that we serve don't even deserve it. Um, I, but when I think about it, I'm glad that Jesus didn't just serve people that deserved it. First of all, I'm not sure that he would have served anybody, right? Because uh, none of us really deserve it. One of, one of my favorite, uh, favorite stories on this subject about serving others is, a, is a, about a man and his wife who were awakened at, at 3 o'clock in the morning by a loud pounding on the back door. Back door. And the man got up and harumphed around and got his robe on and got to the back door and opened it up and there standing on his back porch is a drunken stranger standing in the pouring rain and and he said excuse me sir can you give me a push not a chance the homeowner said it's three o'clock in the morning you're drunk and I'm trying to sleep and he slammed the door on the man and he, he just harumphed back you've never done that talking to himself back in bed and gets it well his, his wife obviously was was wide awake by then and and she said well, well well who was it and he said oh just some drunk guy asking for a push and she said well did you help him and he said no I did not help him and it's three o'clock in the morning and and it's pouring the rain outside and he got himself into this mess and I don't need to help him and and we need our sleep and his wife said well I, I mean I get all that but don't you remember when we broke down there last summer and and uh, those those people came along and they stopped they were on there but they they stopped and they helped get us out and and did all that I mean don't you think you should at least find out how you could how you could really help him and the man laid there for a minute and felt guilty enough and, until, he, uh, until he got up and, and got his clothes on and, and went back to the, the back door again and, and opened it up and the rain is pouring and the guy's not there anymore but he hollers out into the darkness, hello, are you still there? And he heard this, yes. And then he said, do you still need a push? And the man said, yes, please. And the man looked out and he said, well, where are you? And he heard, over here, on the swing. Isn't that a good one? I mean, that's, that's sermon gold right there. That is uh, showing compassion like Jesus did means serving people who don't deserve it, right? It, it means that it's going to be inconvenient and maybe costly, 
And sure, we need to be wise. And we probably, if, if the guy was drunk and got his car in a ditch, we're not going to get him back on the road so he can keep driving drunk, right? But, that's, that's, but, but we're going to be wise in how we help. And we're going to try to get to the, the core of how we can help them. We're going to support ministries who, who are uh, diving in and, and getting to the root cause of things and, and, and helping people so that, so that we can meet needs, truly meet needs and show love with active compassion. So we ask the question, who have I served today? Are you serving the people that God brings across your path? Now, that might mean that you have a ministry in the church, right? Maybe you teach a class or you serve on the board or you're, you, you clean the church or you, you, uh, you, you, you're a, a greeter or you serve in the nursery. or I, I don't know, there, there are many ways for people to serve through the ministries of the church and, and many of you are doing that. And if you're not doing that, there's gonna be a guy with a smile standing right at the back door right after church today that looks a lot like this. And he's gonna, you can come up to him and say, Pastor, I would love to serve in the church. Where can I serve? and I can direct you to 14 different places, well, maybe 10 different places, and we, will, we would be happy to talk. Uh, I would be happy to talk with you about that. But this isn't just a formal thing, right? This is not necessarily the, the, the point. I mean, we need people to serve in the church or the church doesn't do what the church needs to do, but, uh, but it's not just a, a formal thing like serving in a ministry. Serving others needs to be a lifestyle that we live, uh, even when, maybe especially when, we're not at church. I mean, serve your spouse. Serve your kids. Serve your siblings. Uh, you can serve at work. You can serve at school. Uh, do, do what you might not feel like doing in order to bless someone else. Look for ways to meet their needs without expecting anything in return. It, it, it could be a welcome change in places where people are, are used to people looking out for themselves and now there's actually someone looking out for others. See, I, I, I think it's true that your genuine love and compassion for people has the potential to be the most effective form of evangelism there is. It's going to be more effective than having all the answers or, or knowing all the doctrines or, or giving convincing arguments. Serving, showing love will make a huge difference in drawing people to life with Jesus. So, so I guess I, I challenge you to pray about it, to, to, to ask God to bring people and situations across your path where you might be able to make a difference. Maybe it means you're going to uh, call, the, call the number and, and find out how you can serve it at Oasis of Hope, or maybe you're going to talk to me about a ministry at church, or maybe this afternoon you're going to see how your uh, husband or wife might need to be served, and you could do that even though maybe you usually don't. Or it could mean at, uh, on a Tuesday afternoon at work that, that uh, when everybody's grousing and complaining about this or that, you're going to step in and, and, and be the voice of, uh, of love and service in that situation. Once you pray about it, I, I think this is important too, once you pray about it, then you need to be looking for those opportunities that God's going to bring your way. Because there's always going to be opportunities. Uh, I think we just miss them. And so we've got to be looking for those. And then once we see those, we've got to step in and serve. Because love takes action. Love serves. Who have you served today? And of course, that means that you'll be intentionally building relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus, who may be far from God, so that you can love and serve them. The last question is, am I close to someone far from God? Unfortunately, statistics show that the longer we follow Jesus, the less relationships we have outside of the church. 
I mean, it's, it's natural. It's just kind of how life goes. We usually gravitate to people who, who, are, who are a lot like us, right? And it takes effort to break out of that and, and to, uh, uh, to, to not be just hanging around people with the same views and the same goals and the same lifestyle. But, but, but we can't love people to an abundant life with Jesus if we're not spending any time with people who aren't yet living an abundant life with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you are close to people who are far from God, but maybe it doesn't, doesn't really seem like you're having much influence. So, so I guess in, in asking the question, am I close to someone far from God, it's much more about developing relationships than it is about evangelism. And we're back again to that verse in Thessalonians. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Are there people who are far from God that you are sharing your life with? And if so, and you're living a flourishing life with Jesus connected to the vine, you will have an influence for the gospel in your lives. Uh, It'll show. Uh, You can't help it. If you're living that life, it's going to show. Uh, If you're living that close relationship with Jesus and you're close to someone far from God, they're going to notice. Now, then it's up to them whether they step into that and not everybody will and some people will push back and some people will distance themselves. But... but, there, there are uh, many who will step in and want to know a little bit more. And what is this all about? You might just get to tell them because you love them so much and you shared your life with them. Notice I, I didn't, I, I said love people. I didn't say judge people. Church does that a lot. I didn't say make sure that people are living right. I didn't even say convert people, right? It's, it's not about getting them over the finish line, so to speak, and then we can wash our hands and move on. to. We're loving people, especially people who are far from God. And, and I think this is where evangelism gets a bad reputation because so many times people are treated like projects. Intended or not, if my primary motivation to know you is so you'll buy into my faith, then that's pretty disingenuous, Right? I'm not getting to know you just because I love you. I, I'm getting to know you so that you'll be like me and, and do this. I mean, it sounds a lot like a pyramid scheme to me. I don't know. You, you, you befriend someone so that they'll join your sales team and they'll get on you. And we could, we could make all sorts of uh, uh, metaphors there around the church. But that's, that's not what we're talking about. As, as relationships develop, natural, organic opportunities will arise where you, are, where you will share your faith out of your love for God and your love for that person. But it's about that relationship. Uh, church growth experts, Wynne and Charles Arne, write it this way. They say, there is a difference between the reason for a relationship to get a convert and the result of a caring relationship often a new disciple. Build your friendship with sincerity and an unconditional caring. The non-Christian who perceives you as a friend is more likely to respond to Christ's love than the person who sees you either as a teacher, instructing in doctrine, sin, and morality, or as a salesman, manipulating them toward a decision. Are you close to someone who is far from God? Are there any people you know that you could share your life and the gospel with. This is our primary, if, if we're to, to say our, our plan for evangelism, uh, we don't, our, our primary plan for evangelism is, is not some, some whiz-bang programs to get people through the door, although you'll see some whiz-bang programs from time to time. 
Our primary program for evangelism uh, isn't uh, uh, going out and knocking on on doors and and presenting the four spiritual laws, but there might be times when we go into neighborhoods and our primary, and and I believe Jesus' primary uh, effort in evangelism is to make sure that, that, that we are living for Jesus and then we aren't just living here, but that we're living out there and it spills over and it gets caught and we have opportunities to, to love and to serve and to share. And people come to know the life and love of Jesus because they see it in us. I, I want to tell you about one couple in our church uh, where that has been happening. Tim and Beth Dentler um, have a friend that, that Beth met, man, 20 years ago, I guess. Uh, through this this uh, uh, woman had a has a business, and Beth saw her professionally six to eight times a year, and and they developed a friendship, and and that evolved into get-togethers, and and uh, both Tim and Beth would they'd go out to eat or have her over, whatever, and and. Uh, uh, for the, the decade prior to the pandemic, they would, they would have dinner with her several times a month and they, they became quite good friends and they were sharing what was going on in each other's lives and they were able to support each other even through very difficult personal circumstances. Christianity, following Jesus, that was occasionally the topic of conversation in those early years and Tim and Beth didn't shy away from that or uh, they, they, uh, they, they, uh, um, made no secret about that relationship, their relationship with Jesus. He was just part of the conversation, come up from time to time. And as they drew closer in this friendship, uh, uh, Tim and Beth were able to share more personally and deeply about their faith and how Jesus was working in their lives. And eventually, this friend began asking more probing questions about God and, and what a, a life of faith looked like. And Tim told her his own salvation experience, and, and she told him about uh, beginning to explore more about God and that now she was starting to read the Bible on her own and trying to figure this out. And, and just a few short months ago, she told Tim that she recognized that she, she had sin in her life and, um, and she'd been praying and asking God to deal with that. She's, she's still so young in her faith, and, uh, but uh, because this, this life, this relationship that Tim and Beth have, have shown her, this relationship with Jesus as possible is, is so much different than a lot of the other Christians that have come across her past in the, uh, path in the past. But she now regularly tells Tim and Beth that she's praying. She's praying for peace. She's praying for them. Because they loved her so much, they were delighted to share not only the gospel of God, but their lives as well. That's how it's supposed to work. That's just one little picture, and I could probably ask several of you, and you'd have other stories a lot like that, and I hope that those stories are, are uh, continuing to form. And, and did you notice that it, 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 it wasn't uh, about a presentation and a step across the, the finish line, and a, now I'm done with that and moving on? 20 years. That's an investment of sharing your life, right? That's a, that's a, a commitment to serving and to following Jesus' lead and to figuring out where that goes and, and, and how they could be part of that. I, I'm not telling this story to, to lift them up. I've, I've known about this story for a while and hear little updates along the way. And I reached out to Tim and Beth this week and just said, I want to get the details right. Can you tell me a little bit about this? And so uh, I appreciate their willingness to do that while still keeping confidentiality. 
But I believe that that's just one example of many in our church who are living to love people to life. And I wonder what that's going to look like in your life today, this week, this month. Maybe, I mean, it's January, so we got to talk about this year, right? In 2020, what's it going to look like for you to live on mission? Uh, uh, Who have you served today? Are you close to someone far from God? Well, uh, maybe the takeaway today is uh, is a whole lot of prayer and reflection because I, I believe that we need to be praying that God will, first of all, uh, give us a heart like his that loves and cares for people, that has compassion and motivation to help and serve people who are far from God. I, I, I hope that you'll be praying specifically for God to give you a burden, maybe just for one or two people. But then as, as you pray for that, those, those people, that, that, that you will, you will uh, you pray for that burden, and then you'll pray for those people daily. Uh, and, and then you'll look for natural ways to share your life with them and look for ways to serve them because you're living life on mission. We live to love people to life. We we want to live this out. We don't just want to gather together and have a great time, although we like to gather together and have a great time, but we want as many people as possible to be part of that too. God is building his kingdom, and he wants to do it through us. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the the opportunities that you bring. We, we confess that there are times when we miss it and that we, when we don't see those opportunities. But Lord, I pray that you will help us to see that, that you want to use us right where you've put us in the relationships that we have or the relationships that are coming to be your representatives. I pray that you'll help us to stay connected to you, that, that we'll live that deep, abundant life with you. And then as we do that, that we'll be intentional about reaching out to others and to let you flow through us in the lives of the people around us. Lord, build your kingdom here. In Jesus' name, amen.